0: In this episode of The Ziegler Show, I address a very real and tangible tension when it comes to our progress. I asked the audience, if you have any frustrations with your work, do you feel you just need to change the circumstances or just your attitude? Tom Ziegler and I talked through the responses, and I'll be surprised if you don't hear something highly relevant to issues you're dealing with right now. Welcome everyone, I'm Kevin Miller and this is The Ziggler Show, where our focus is increasing your performance in your personal and professional life, drawing straight from the legacy of one of the most inspiring leaders of our age, Zig Ziggler. This is the weekly Q&A episode I do with my co-host and the CEO of Ziggler, Tom Ziggler. In these Q&A shows, I often play a short clip from Zig Ziggler, or I'll take a hot topic and post it to the Ziggler audience. From the responses, we get some of the most poignant and relevant input into the realities of walking out personal and professional development and growth in the real world and current circumstances of life. I invite you to join us in these weekly discussions. Find me on Facebook at Kevin Co. I kick us off with a one and a half minute clip from Zig Ziglar, where he zeroes in on the myth that we should all just love everything about our work. I mean, in truth, it's a tremendously frustrating issue for many people. And our very real question is, again, just what I posted to the listeners, asking them if you have any frustrations with your work, do you feel you need to change the circumstances or just change your attitude? Well, Zig Ziglar was the king of adjusting your attitude to the positive because it makes everything better. But it doesn't mean that that's all you should do sometimes. There are times when the circumstances themselves are limiting to you being fulfilled in your work and able to bring all you can to the table. So we talked in and around this issue deeply, and I believe it will give you great food for thought in regards to your own challenging work circumstances and whether an attitude change is in order or you really would be best
1: to change the circumstances. do you build that attitude? Well, when you're growing, when you're doing things, when you have your goals set and you're working on them, when you're building on self-improvement, that is one of the greatest things for your attitude. Now, let me emphasize something. Some people labor under the illusion that you've got to like everything about your job, that you've got to enjoy doing everything about your job and nothing could be further from the truth. For example, as much as I love my work, and I don't believe there's a human being alive who enjoys doing what they do as much as I enjoy doing what I do. Do I like everything about it? I'm here to tell you no, I don't like everything about it. But you know, if I've got to do it, now I've got a choice to make. I'm going to do it with the right attitude and get better results. Or am I going to gripe and moan and groan and and fuss about it and get worse results? That is a choice I've got to make. Well, you know, the decision was already made when you took the job. Here's some things you got to do. And what you're going to discover is simply this. The better your attitude doing the things you don't really like to do, the more likely you are to be given more of the things you do like to do. But everything uh, is not going to be dessert, as we've already said. They're going to be those unpleasant things or things that you don't really like to do. All right, Tom,
0: I'm going to jump in. We've got great comments that are going to bring the, uh, all the good points right to the surface. You ready? Ready. All right. Matt Horn, he says, this issue is a daily challenge for me. I am really dissatisfied in my job as I am in sales and our company has been sold twice in the last 18 months with about four new CEOs in that same time, all while our products and solutions drop in quality features and innovation. The company was once number one in the market. Now we struggle to compete in almost any uh, offering we submit. I myself feel embarrassed about the product when offering it as I don't believe the quality or technology is worth the money the client would pay. The challenge is we are continually asked by management to remain optimistic while they admit we have technology issues and then we obviously are still pressed to hit our sales target. I have to agree that my mindset is lacking and could improve and so I'm taking an active approach towards this. But surely there does come a point where optimism becomes delusion, he asked on a question, we could probably stop with that one comment. I think he just brought up, you know, some of the, the the big question on the balance, the tension between change your attitude or when do we need to change the circumstances.
2: Wow, that's a good point. Um, because in every, if if you work somewhere, you're in a career, you're in a business. Uh, there's always going to be change, challenge, and disruption that comes. Yeah. And so how do you face it? Well, of course, the right mindset is going to be a huge asset or liability if it's the wrong mindset, Mm -hmm. but then you've got your own integrity, right? The principles and values that you live by. And I think uh, once you you see a a lessening of the intensity of what you supported, uh, standing up for quality and integrity and the things that you stand for then you've got to get in the middle of it you've 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 got to get into the middle of it and understand hey are, are are we moving forward towards where we were and where we want to be or are we settling for a new standard yeah and i think if your mindset's right you're positive you're you're a difference maker you want to go you want to go make it happen you're solving problems and the company's making whatever changes they can, even though it might be longer or more difficult than you want it to, then you got some hope. Um, If the trend and the effort behind it isn't in the right direction, I don't know if delusional is the right word, but it's a different picture. It's a different picture. Tom, this was...
0: Um, you know, he posted that there were, well, he'll here, here, me read a couple more because they had to do with work. So there was a couple threads in the responses that I wasn't Expecting so. There's a couple more in in regards to work changes. Uh, Marty Winger he says it depends on whether it's something just personally irritating like the thermostat or whether it's something that interferes with our ability to provide excellent customer care. Uh, Personal irritation as long as it's not actual harassment, I can change my attitude. But if it's going to do bad for my customers, I'll pursue every option to correct or change the situation. Timothy Driver. Sometimes you have to change your circumstances, especially when you are being prepped for a position. And a new leader comes in, and just like that, the position is no longer available. You you have to either move somewhere else in the company or quit and move to a new organization. So there was a thread of people who are, and you know, every one person who responds is is, is you know probably relates to a thousand other people listening out there. Uh, to to work changes situation in work changing. And maybe that's indicative just of the time that we're in. Uh, Somebody else posted that and I can't, I'm not pulling it up right now, but they posted just the changes in work in regards to the current pandemic. So we have a lot of people and things have changed for better or worse in the workplace and i again i didn't foresee that when i posted the question and so they're having to look at this issue and go yeah things have changed you know for the for those who were it changed for the worse, do i change my attitude or do i need to look for another option
2: i i remember years ago seth godin uh, made a post and he said the middle is gone and what he was talking about in business you either need to strive for Uh, Like we like Howard Partridge says, a phenomenal experience, right? It's a everything is just the highest level experience. We're going to take care of our customers. We're going to go the extra mile and you charge a premium for that. Or you come in at the other end of this, you know, at the other end, which is, hey, we're going to we're going to try to compete on, you know, value at the minimum price. Right. And for small business people, that is tough because that segment's kind of getting dominated <laughs> by by scale by big boys. Yeah. And so what happens is, is businesses will get kind of trapped in the middle and they they don't feel like they want to go the extra mile to charge what they need to charge in order to to provide the experience and so they lower their price which then limits their ability to provide the services that they were and so, depending on whether what you signed up for when you join that business is going to give you, uh, it could give you some challenges. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, and it's it's not unique to any one industry. I see it all the time. I mean, there's there's car dealerships that sell the same uh, brand of cars, but some of them operate on the high end of that, and some operate on the on the lower end of that. And they figure out a way to carve their niche. uh, And people gladly pay a little bit more. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, I I didn't, Tom. It's interesting as we're talking about this. I just didn't foresee the relevance of this question right now in regards to the workplace because we've seen so much volatility and uh, and see so much change. So this is going to be relevant for a lot of people who, again, are sitting there right now asking this question. Work has changed. Here's...
2: Here's what I've seen in the change of work, and that is that people are, they're isolated, disengaged, far more communication is via camera. Uh, And if the group of people you're working with aren't naturally good communicators, then there's going to be less of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that combined with the added Mm -hmm. pressure, uh, the pressure of. Uh, you know, the pandemic, maybe a spouse lost their position or, or, you know, you're dealing with kids who are at home. And, and what you really need is leadership who is focused on nurturing and building the right kind of relationship. And if they're struggling, it's hard for them to do it. And so we kind of get the double whammy. We, we get a business that starts to struggle because, of something beyond their control, and then the, then the built-in uh, communication and those things that really hold the business together in time of disruption wasn't there to begin with, and so another flaw opens up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, Tommy. You talked about relationships – and I think that's going to be top of the list, or, or, or you know, it is, as people talked about some of the issues here, it's relationships are where they have the biggest struggle, even though now we just had the guy who talked about the, the, you know, the product itself has deteriorated uh, somewhat, somewhat, but you, you also, I mean, I'm in a, a, a guy's, it's kind of an influencers, Christian influencers prayer group uh, that meets every, every week. And one of them talked this morning about the pressure that he's feeling, Right now, they've got a big launch, some big work stuff. And he is working from home now because, you know, their office got shut down or whatever. And his kids are there. And just the difficulty of focus and going deep in his work when he's at home with kids, uh, which, man, I get. That's why I'm in my office a mile from my house right now because I think that there's 11 family members at the house as I speak. Uh, But, yeah, man, again, the changes – in in regards to this time um that we're in well here's another one just on the overall topic tom brad goring i think is how you say his name he says i've always i always start with checking my attitude what is it that i can control in this situation what can i give to make it better not just for me but for everyone how can i lead to a better outcome have i sought clarity of where the pinch exists Have I been clear about my expectations? If I've done my part, then yes, it should be a sign that it's time for the circumstance to change. Even when that time comes, it's not always immediate change, especially if there are unrelated commitments to be filled. Uh, Good questions though, to vet again, is it, uh, I thought that was a good, good little filter and we should all have one for, okay, let me audit myself according to my own attitude. And of course, bring myself to a positive attitude. I mean, it's the point of this, it's a crux of this, but do I get to a point of saying I have, I'm there and it's still not good
2: enough. I think he's spot on. Brad is spot on. I, there's three questions that I love. Um, and you can apply it to yourself. You can apply it to a customer. You can apply it to leadership, but they kind of go like this. And I'm going to apply this to myself since this question was to the individual listener what am I thinking, feeling, doing right now in relationship to work? Do a deep dive, get real, you know, am I worried, am I anxious, am I embarrassed, am I concerned, uh, you know, is, and because you've got all these inputs and you may not have digested them all, right? Because you're, you know, an email comes across with a tone, a, a coworker says something that you haven't really heard before, you, you, the the customer complaint box is, is seems to get a little more active every day, and so you've got to do it. like Dad said, a checkup for the neck of yeah. what am I doing? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? All all of those things kind of come into it, and then you ask the next question: How do I want to be thinking? What do I want to be doing? And and how do I want to be feeling? In other words. This is where I am right now. Where do I want to be? And so now you've got kind of an anchor at both ends and and you're in the middle. Okay, so how do I get from where I am to where I want? And that's where you can dig in and say, look, is this a mindset issue? Is this me not really learning the new software that's really killing? I mean, is that really what it is? I'm just, they integrated a new system and I'm not comfortable on it and it's kind of wigged me out. That's something I could learn. Yeah. Or is it something beyond my control. Like I can do all this stuff. I can adjust it. Now the good news is this, the right attitude, the right approach given at a hundred percent while you're in it is going to position you to help move it to where you want or to create the landing spot somewhere else. There is no downside. Yes. Right. To getting your attitude and your approach. Right. Uh, and then, you so you get that right, and but some people, and I've had a lot of questions through the years. Hey, I, I discovered my organization's doing this. I don't think it's right, and I look at them and I go, I think you're probably right. That's a circumstance that's got to change for you right away, because you can't aid and abet in something that you know is not right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then, and then I'm real, cl- I'm real careful. Hey, is that a is that an individual person problem or is that a, a philosophy or a culture of the organization? Because those are two different things. You, you handle those in two different ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's well. So on that. Yeah. So that where it's a moral, ethical, obvious thing. But well, here. Caterina, she says it depends. Sometimes nothing needs to change. Only needs to be Tolerated. That word tolerated is a red flag for me. And I'm going to go right into Brian Lynchard. He says, I've been struggling with something along these lines lately. I've been trying both approaches, but I really think I need to change the circumstances. And I've been working on that. Uh, I know what it can be. I just need to, I need to get there. So, you know, as people are looking at it, yeah, that'd be a great place to, like you talked about, Tom, there, is there something wrong with an individual that you can change? Is there something wrong with the company that you can't? And her word tolerated. I don't like that word. Um, to, to me that word if you're tolerating, you're in trouble. I think you know, even that I mean it's I'm so good. people are so good at endurance. you know I'm gonna endure something. I've seen that with. I want to pick on Christians somewhat who think they're just—they're doing the right thing. They're doing the altruistic thing. They're in work that is, you know, toxic, is bad, doesn't do much for them. But man, they're going to provide for their family and they stick in it. And I know a lot of people do this. But you know, stick in it. I'm going to do—I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the righteous thing, and they stick in it. And it's just depleting them. They're not able to be the fullness of themselves, but they feel like they should be grateful for the job. But maybe hit on, yeah, maybe we should hit on that. You know, if you've got a job, you're making money. Come on, really, first world problems. You're going to complain because the spirit of the place isn't good, or the product or service isn't good, and we tend to minimize that and, as Caterina said, tolerate or endure it. I'll just, explain, I'll, I'll, I'll profess my own bias with that. I have a really hard time with that. Again, if you're doing what you need to do to keep a roof over the head and food on the table, that's great. As a short term, but to do that for a year, two years, five years, a decade, man, I don't see, I don't see that serving everyone best. What do you think?
2: I would have to ask more what it means, uh, and I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, let's say you've got a job and you love it. Everything about it's great. The people are great. And but you know, for six months of the year you're working in a warehouse and it's a hundred degrees out there. You're just gonna have to get really comfortable. I mean, you're just gonna have to go in, yeah, it's hot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? That's just the nature of it. So that might be what the what the toleration is, uh in that regard. Um if it's something more significant than that. That I'm kind of with you. I'm I'm like, I th- I think we always imagine what we what could go. You know that it's going to be worse wherever we go. A lot of people do that, and I think, wait wait a second, it could be better. When when we had a bunch of salespeople on our team, how they would routinely come in, kind of slyly sometimes. Hey, yeah, I'm having you know blah, blah, blah. They're talking about an account and they let me know they're hiring. And it was just a message that there was always opportunities out there. Yeah. And I would look at them and I'd say, you know what? If you're a customer facing person like in sales and you're not getting recruited on a regular basis, then you're not doing a good job. (laughs) Good response. So, yeah, I'd say congratulations uh, to them. But I, I, guess, I guess the toleration thing, I need to know more Yeah. Uh, because, you know, well, this is a whole different subject, so I'm not going to go there. But we're not big fans of to- the word tolerate. We would much rather love.
0: You are listening to The Ziggler Show in this episode that asks when we simply need to adjust our attitude for the better in the face of trials and when we need to actually change our circumstances. In this next segment, I hit on the former when do we need to call a spade a spade and change our circumstances? So here are some great resources for you, then we'll get right back into it. Well, you know, so, so come to the, the, the perspective of, when we know that with, if somebody has a negative attitude and they're gonna bring that, every place is gonna be negative. You know, uh, there's that old pithy quote, you know, what was the place like that you worked? Oh, it was terrible, the people were horrible, the product was terrible, you know. You know, do you think this other place is going to be better? No, it'll probably be the same because obviously you have that attitude and we have that perspective of you can't escape your problems. You're going to bring your problems with you. Okay. That said, but now back to like, uh, who was it that said, who asked the Brad talking about those questions? He asked himself, if we bring ourselves up to our most positive self, and you said something a minute ago, reminded me of your dad's statement, positive thinking won't let you do anything but it'll let you do everything better than negative thinking will. So, okay, let's assume that we're able to do that. There are just absolutely environments and we've all experienced it where we are able to flourish more than others. And even if the people aren't bad, the management's not bad, the product or service isn't bad. I mean, I've been, I've been in some great circumstances. Uh, now I haven't done a lot of time as an employee, but just in, in, you know, in, in business situations, uh, where everything was, everything was pretty great, but it just, and again, it could sound if somebody could pawn it off as I, you know, first world problems. I mean, I, it just didn't, I was I, I didn't enjoy it or I wasn't passionate about it. I didn't care. I, I started a business, gosh, a long time ago that did really well. It was one of the quickest succeeding least risk. Uh, it, it was pretty great. I just didn't care about the product. It was a marketing product and the lending and realty, uh, realtor industry. And I just didn't care. At the end of the day, I just didn't care. Nothing wrong with it. And somebody else may have absolutely found an, a heart care and a passion, but I just didn't. And so I, I left that. And that may, maybe that was selfish. At the time, it probably was. My family could have used the money that I was already making that I walked away from. So I'm not discounting that either. I don't want to be unwise and just fly to you with it. But and I do, and I know you do too, Tommy, we put a lot of uh, and somebody said that here in one of the comments uh, about just how, you know, life's too short, I think is what she said, to spend the most time we spend anywhere, which is true for most people working, and not be able to be fully yourself and not have something that you enjoy, at least, even if it's not the most altruistic thing out there, uh, but at least something that you care about, enjoy to some and I have a hard time not, not citing that, but then I know there's people with great stories for themselves or their parents or a grandparent or something that just worked and put in their time. It wasn't their passion, but they did a good job and supported their family, and, and that's honorable as well, and I don't want to discount that. Sometimes I, I'm, I'm hesitant to I, – I don't want to put that down. My gosh, it's hard for me. Again, I'm just explaining my bias to not go, oh, I want people to, to want to have what I have. And to love what they do every day, which I know you do as well, Tom.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes we get put in a place that's not a perfect fit. Uh, You know, there's personalities that we work with that kind of rub us the wrong way. And we can even change our view of that relationship that allows us to do well. I know that, uh, and probably everybody goes through this stage where you try to change everybody. You try to make... (laughs) It's like you move into the room, right? And you want all the furniture exactly where you want it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's not the way life is, you know. People leave stuff around, and they move chairs around, and everything else. And then I started, instead of trying to change people, saying, "Okay, what's what what's so unique about this person?" Wow, you know, you start digging into those questions. You start getting the backstory. And almost every time you get a backstory on someone and how did you, how do you think that way? and Where did you come from? And it, it starts changing uh, that relationship and the idiosyncrasies, the, the uniqueness, the quirkiness, all those things that were rubbing you the wrong way, all of a sudden make them kind of the only person who can solve a problem the way they do it. Yeah. Um, but that takes a lot of a lot of effort. We do uh, DISC certification and DISC training, D-I-S-C, where we really understand personality styles. Uh, And a lot of times, a lot of the friction in environment uh, that we tolerate is because people don't know how to communicate. Mm -hmm. And and so uh, as a leader, one of the things you can do is learn how to communicate and then bring in others who can teach your team how to communicate. I mean, these save marriages they save relationships on a regular basis so it's just sometimes it's 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 two good people with different personalities different ways of going and something and they're you know they're hitting heads all the time and when they understand each other it's like all of a sudden the relationship is is healed yeah. and and none of these that we're talking about are moral or ethical uh things right now these are just am i a fit in this place and do i get along with the other people here
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an unfortunate, I think, reality that you want to think that if you have a a group of people who are, let's say we got a, a group of negative people that just put one positive person in there and it's going to change it. I generally, it seems like the power often goes with the negativity. That's where we're prone to fall. And more often than that, we'll see a group of people and have one negative person that drags everybody down. I've seen that so many times. And I know so many people are in places where, yeah, it may be one person. So can you change your attitude with that one person? I have been, again, in environments like that where, uh, especially if that person had a leadership role, they're not going away. They had ownership, partnership, whatever. They're not going away. I, I'll, again, I'll just admit my, my lack of tolerance for that. And I'll leave a good situation otherwise because it's not worth bringing down my own attitude. You know, on this, you know, you know this quote attributed to Confucius, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. I don't, even as we talk about this and finding a place that fits you, that you can flourish, I don't ascribe to that. And we've talked. I think we talked about that recently, Tom. My gosh, I've, I've not, my, my most favored work, which is what I'm doing now. There's a lot of just work. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of stuff that I do. I continue to try to delegate all that I can, but there's some things that if it's going to be at its best, it's in my, it's on my plate to do. And sometimes I feel like it's too much. I don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy some of the podcast production stuff of going in and figuring out a good intro. I like doing this right here. This is the fun part. This is, if this was all I did, I'd say, that's pretty fun, man. We just talked all day took great topics, heard from awesome people and, and talked to great conversations. That would be great, but it's not. Somebody's got to do the intro. Somebody's got to do the outro. And that's me because I'm talking about the shows coming up that I did. I could try to delegate them. I think that would take away from some of the authenticity. If it's going to be quality, there's some things I got to do. That's just. Work. So I, I I do want to put that caveat there. I'm not talking about the work. And, you know, find the thing that just just play. It's just pl- that doesn't exa- That would be me mountain biking all day. Uh, it's just
2: I, I, I don't get paid for that. I think you know it's it's like we all want the pithy quote. You know that we all want the the mic drop uh, ending to the story. We all want you know, the client to say yes to the big contract, whatever it is that, you know, launching the new marketing uh, project, whatever it is, we all love that. Um, but that is, that's just the 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 visible outcome of all the work that went into it. Yeah. And one of the kind of things that I look at is, it, you've seen people who work out and they'll do that, I don't even know what the exercises cause, but they will, you know, they'll stand with both feet together and then they'll jump up on a bench or they'll jump up on a box, right?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. I know what you're about.
2: But, you know what I'm, and so they'll do, and so they're- It's goal, like plyometrics or something. Yeah, and so you'll see it and, you know, some guy will all of a sudden be able to jump like five feet in the air, just stand flat foot, jump up onto a box five feet high, right? Yeah. Almost as as tall as they are. Well, you're building your muscles on the way up, and when you jump back down, you're strengthening your bones. Okay. Cause that pounding. So the stress that you're putting yourself under is making you stronger, <clears throat> but it's not, it's not limitless. I mean, why not do a shortcut? You know, why not just jump off of a 40 story building? And... <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause that would equal like a hundred of those little jump downs, Yep. but yep. that's not the way we're wired. Uh, and so, I think we have to look at our work and, and, and say, okay, uh, I love, I love what I do and, you know, jumping on a box 20 times a day, uh, the payoff is great health Mm -hmm. and it, it impacts every area of my life. That's worth it. Uh, but if, but if your job is like jumping off a 40 story building Mm -hmm. where you're just pancaked at the end of it, that's a different kind. Yeah. Uh, Dad was a big believer. He did what he loved and he taught every single day. You don't have to love everything you do. In other words, he knew that to deliver the way he wanted to deliver, he had to stay in great shape. Yeah. And he didn't love every aspect of staying in great shape.
0: I want to add another piece of this, Tom, that there is also, as people are looking and grappling with this, it's relevant to, to know who you are, to know how you flourish. I'll never forget being on a cycling team. I was over in Europe and had a group of guys and had, had one guy who was really struggling, uh, just from a, even, even from a depression aspect was really struggling. And for me, I, I couldn't, I, I was not, I was less than I am today as far as being able to cope with people and, and handle people. But it was just, it was really difficult. And, and there are, there's are some people I get along with. There's some people I don't. There are some, I do well here speaking to aspiring people. I went to a children's home and tried to talk to these kids, thought I was going to change their life. I am incompetent at this point in my life at people who don't really care to aspire as waking them up. I'm not that good. Thank goodness there are people that do, that can do that. So back in this environment, had this guy who was really struggling and it just, it it was really difficult for me to be in. Now I had a good friend on, on the team who it almost gave him life to work with this guy and to nurture him along. And it was just one of those things that, that got me to see, him. gosh, I'm, I'm not bad for struggling with this necessarily. And he's not necessarily better for bailing. Deal. It's different roles. We're very different people. He's a policeman today. Uh, something that I have no, no, I, I would be a terrible policeman. I'm conflict averse. I'd be the worst policeman ever. I'd say oh, everybody, everybody gets off free. Uh, it, it would be horrific. You know, but to, to realize that, that we do have, and I thought about this because you talked about personality styles, Tom, that we need to look at that in, a, in an arena. Because again, I see most of the time when we're in a job that's difficult, we're looking for a reason to justify staying there. Most aspiring people, I'll say, are. Obviously, you've got negative people who are always looking for a reason to leave. But uh, at this level of humanity that we're talking to here, most people are going to be looking for a reason to stay. And they're going to ultimately, I find, discount some of the realities of them and to look at one. And I appreciate the person who says and looks at it and goes, you know what? It's good. I don't really have some huge reason not to be here, but I just, I think that there's more. I think I've got more in me. Um, so I, you know, I wanted to pull that out because even here amongst this aspiring group, as I put this out, if I go down through here and kind of list them out, there's a lot of people who said it's all about attitude and that's how they perceive it. You know, Sarah, more often than not, I need to change my attitude. Chris, attitude, 100%. Evan, attitude, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. Dennis, focus on changing the circumstances you spend a life looking for situational happiness. We, we have a lot of people who do that, had a ton of people who just said both. It's just Kevin says, yes, it's both. Chris it could be one or the other. And in some instances, uh, both a lot of people, uh, there. And I think most, again, I'll use that word aspiring Tom, uh, most, most open-minded people are going to say, well, of course it's both, But man, the nitty gritty happens when we look at where we are now and say, is, is this, do I, if I have some frustration, which everybody has some, is it me that needs to change? Or do I need to change the circumstances? You know, and it's interesting too, Eric Harrison, he says, having worked for myself my entire career, I can say that for me, the only answer is my attitude, my performance, limitations on myself and my ability to lead others depends solely and completely on my attitude. That's interesting too. I mean, we're talking about the workplace, but if you own it, it's another different set of this question is a differing perspective.
2: Yeah. Eric's one of our Ziegler coaches and uh, I like what he said because I think whether somebody writes their name on your paycheck or you write your name on your own paycheck, you're always working for yourself. Oh, yes. Wherever you are, right. you're, you're working for yourself. Uh, a great leadership question, you know, in one of the talks that I give, I talk about uh, engagement and disengage people. And there was a study that came out in Parade Magazine and basically 35% of people who are making around 16 bucks an hour, that was the average, they, they asked the question, would you rather have a 20% raise or would you rather have your immediate boss or supervisor fired? Wow. And 35% said they wanted their immediate boss or supervisor fired. Wow. And here's why. I mean, this is what I believe. The, every, every person on the planet, regardless of education level, uh, whether they went to college or never went to school, uh, no matter what work they're in, on the inside of them, there's an economist. <laughs> and so for all the leaders out there, uh, for all the people in listening, there's an economist in every, every person out there. And so when you work for someone, the economist in your heart is saying, is my leader, are they elevating me up to the next level or are they holding me down? Okay? Okay. Yeah. And so when I look at that stat, 35%, I want them fired, even though a 20% raise at 16 bucks an hour, that's the difference between eating out once or twice a month. They're never eating out. I mean, it's not a lot of money. But what those people were internally saying is this. The right leader who knows how to lift me up is a much better long term economic choice for me than a 20 percent raise with the wrong leader. Yeah. And so if we work for ourselves, we have to create the attitude. We have to create the mindset that we're going to go all in. Right. Whatever we do, we're going to go all in. And then that's another great question—the litmus test that we can we can ask ourselves about where we work. Are the people I'm working for and with are they focused on helping me raise up, or are they holding me down? Is you know is there a break on my growth here, or is there rocket fuel on my growth here? Because long term, um, this is a study I think Gallup. Uh, did, they found people who who loved their job. And there was something unique about this group of people. And these were employees, right? These were not self-employed business owners who created their own job. These were employees, and this is what they discovered. When they started in the job, they did their whole job description, whether they liked it or not, 100% as well as they could. And then the leadership of that company, whoever they were reporting to over time, allowed them to create their own job description, not by massive change, but by little, by, by little choices. And the choices would be like, hey, you're doing this right now. And that's a very detailed kind of accounting type function. And we know that that's not something that you enjoy. So we're gonna take that away from you as a responsibility, but we're gonna add this other responsibility, which is follow up customer service with our best clients. They take about the same amount of time, but this one fits your style a lot better. Yeah. Okay. So the enjoyment out of the job came when the person doing the job was all in, you know, right attitude, right mindset, doing the things they didn't like to do as best as they could. But with a leader who was constantly saying, hey, what are you really good at? Let's give you more of that. And, and what do you struggle with? Because it's not a natural gift or a talent. Let's see if we can get some of that out of your job description. Yeah, And that's, to me, that's exciting for me in the future because I think the way the world is going, the way the remote work is going, the way technology is improving, the way I, AI is coming in, the leaders who are going to maximize their teams, they're going to take what I just said—that that principle of putting people in the right spot and helping them grow. It that's that's going to be the difference maker for a lot of businesses over the next five to ten years.
0: Well, it's you know what you said, you know, and I, I do want to put in here. I, I obviously have, I said this word a couple times. I have a bias coming in here. I think I see more people again, I'm going to call it this aspiring group are generally going to look at the circumstances and try to make it work for them. They're more prone to try and endure maybe a lesser circumstance than to consider leaving because that's a risk, you know, and I'm going to talk about, okay, what's the risk of staying where you are? If you could possibly be more, find more. Now you talked about, yeah, is the workplace, do you look at it and go, gosh, as a people, as an employee, especially, are they elevating me or holding me down? Uh, because that's what I, you know, my, my limited amount of employeedom long ago, I felt like I, all I understood growing up in an entrepreneurial home under Dan and Joanne Miller was ownership. Of working like it's like I own the place uh, or not being responsible, not, you know, not from an arrogant place, but being responsible for everything, looking at it like an owner. When we like every employee to do that and realizing a lot of times it, it, I find people and they would do that, they aspire to work that way and they're not free to. They're not free to. I, I took a consulting gig 15 years ago in Silicon Valley and went and worked at this company in their offices for, it was actually only about 30 days that I worked in the offices. Then I j- just worked, did the rest off, did it off site from that point on. But realized real quickly, there's, I am not free to do all I see as possible here. Uh, and because of that, the relationship didn't continue. Of course, that was mostly on me because I was dissatisfied. I was not able to tolerate that. I didn't want to tolerate that. But again, asking that question is... Yeah. To you, so, uh, am I being elevated or held down or am I full to do everything that I can?
2: So here's another thought to look at. Uh, I think we've heard the term that, you know, there is no freedom without sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And Dave Ramsey, he doesn't I don't know if he uses those words, but he talks about it a lot. And when I see working people who are stuck in a position that they tolerate, they feel trapped. And what's happened is they've traded their freedom for comfort. And what do I mean by this? Well, they trade in the car every two or three years on a new car. They buy a little bit more house than they probably should have. They eat out more often than they should have. And so what's happened then, and then companies and there's cult, whole company cultures who were like, get the car, you know, get the get the sports car, get, you know, go do this, get the suit, you know, join the club, do all these different things. And suddenly you're in a situation where you're making probably above average in your industry, but it would be a financial ruin if you left the handcuffs that you've put Ooh, on yourself. Sure. Without another position, and so how do you avoid it? Well, how many people, if you had a, a year's worth of savings, uh, would jump as soon as you could? What if your house was paid off? Would it? Would you tolerate what you're tolerating? Yeah. And so, a lot of times, these um, handcuffs—they're—they're they're, they're of our own creation because. Instead of saying freedom is the most important thing, freedom to walk, freedom to go do what I want, we say no, comfort's the most important thing and our obligation, our responsibility. And so we define comfort in our culture is getting something I can't really afford now rather than paying cash for it later.
0: (laughs) Right. True.
2: And so I think a lot of dissatisfaction is let's just put it this way. If you felt trapped uh, somewhere financially because you couldn't go anywhere else, you might start resenting that place, even though that place has nothing to do with it. True. And so that's an interesting thing to dig into. Yeah. So Maybe, maybe the mindset, uh, I can't tell you how many uh, Ramsey stories I've heard where, they they get sick and tired of being sick and tired and they go sell all their vehicles and they buy a couple of beaters and all of a sudden their payments go down and they got breathing room and where they work looks like a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, sure. Gosh. And you could say the same thing for people who own businesses who are just, you know, the businesses are eating them up and it may not be the business that's eating them up, but the pressures that they have in regards to their debt and finances. Absolutely.
2: This is, this, that business concept is one of the things that I love about Howard Partridge and our business coaching that we do is we are a huge proponent of hitting single after single after single after single after single. In other words, we don't go in debt. We don't put all our money into a marketing campaign. We don't uh, you know, try to expand faster than we should. Every day we get up and we hit a single. And pretty soon, every day you're driving a run in or two runs in, that gives you growth. It mm-hmm. gives you scale. It gives you margin. It gives you cash flow. And those things create freedom. Our ability to make good decisions when we're not under pressure, the ability to say no because we don't have to say yes, yeah. is a powerful thing. And it's yeah. hard for people to understand how much that changes the nature of what it is that you do. And and I love it when I see a business owner and somebody comes in and says, Hey, I've got an opportunity for you and they look at it and it really is a great opportunity. And the business owner says, you know what? I love what you're doing and I think it's good for somebody else, but it's not good for me. It yeah. just overcomplicates what we're doing. And why are they able to do that? Because they've got a game plan. Yeah you know, EOS, they've got traction, right? They've got a, they've got a system. And so I wonder how much of the uh, discontent in a place is handcuffs of our own. We put them on ourselves.
0: Well, like, like what you said, because we don't have an overall plan. We don't know what we're about and why we're about. And we don't have that overall plan. About, I I don't ever forget. It's been about 10 years ago, uh, as I'm thinking about it, that, I realized it was when I was working with so many people starting businesses and opportunities everywhere. And it was stressing me out thinking, oh my gosh, I I should be, should I be a part of that one? Should I be a part of that one? And I felt like, and I remember the day or the time period. And I realized, wait, I'm doing what I want to do. Let it go. And it was so, it was just the opportunity was stressing me out wasn't anything bad. It was all positive, but it was my own insecurity of thinking, gosh, I should latch onto that. Should I be a part of that? Should I invest there? Should I partner there? Uh, Because it was just all around me. And it was coming to just what you said, realizing, wait a minute, one, this is killing me. And two, I'm where I'm, I'm where I don't have to try. I don't have to stress about that. Let it go. Um, Well, Tom here, I want us to end. This is something again, like so many of these uh, question and answer sessions that we do. I was not foreseeing this thread. And the thread is about retirement. So as we're talking about tolerating, enduring, whatnot, uh, let me read a couple to you. Sarah Tipton, she says, my frustrations at work went away when I retired. Terry says, uh, Sigler, yep, I'm lucky enough to have been able to retire in September. I tried the attitude adjustment, but it wasn't working. Things have changed so much this year due to covid uh, I was just tired of all the theft going on in our stores and attitudes of customers i 'm blessed i 've been able to change my circumstances and then Susie kid she says it depends on how often and how long the bouts last of, of frustration it 's normal to go through cycles of dissatisfaction in a job as long as i didn 't stay in a mode of dissatisfaction too long and was able to move forward. Uh, which sometimes required an attitude and or paradigm shift with an a- with the agency. I worked in the same place with many of the same people for 23 years. I kept my eye on the prize of retirement and made it there uh, this past January. For those that find themselves perpetually dissatisfied, it's time to move on. Life is too short to be unhappy at a place where you spend most of your waking hours. It trickles into the personal realm. So I pulled out a few there because this issue of retirement, and it just, to me, brought home, again, where my biased perspective was in even asking this question, is I think we are too hesitant to make necessary circumstantial change sometimes and just focus on the attitude, which, again, we can bring the attitude to to full capacity sometimes, and it's still not the place where we can be Uh, the fullest of ourselves. And so here we have people who, and we know we've all seen this experienced it with other people. And there may be people listening right now who are in this place and they're thinking, if I can just make it to retirement, you know, being in the, uh, partnered with our doctor, Dr. Randy James, and seen a lot of medical professionals, Tom, there are so many, that issue is so pervasive amongst doctors who have the perspective of being a doctor and may not flesh out what that really looks like day to day. I'm going to be a a pediatrician and every day I'm going to be working with these crying kids who think I am the most terrifying thing in their lives. They didn't, they didn't, Think through that, and now they're in it. They've invested so much time, so much money, so much effort. There's so much on the line that then they get into it, and then they're just thinking, "I'm just going to slog it out. I'm making good money. I'm buying stuff. I've got lots of assets. I'm putting money. I just got I just got to slog it out." And they do not like what they do. It's really. I don't think people realize how prevalent it is in the profession of doctors. But we see that everywhere. People who are just trying to put their time in until retirement. When and you've seen this, Tom, you experienced it with your dad and you've seen it with other people. When people whether they retire or not, and your dad was vocal about never retiring, right? Right. Why would he want to retire? Loves he loves what he does. But even those who who do officially retire to some capacity, the people who I saw who loved what they did, they cared about what they did. They were very fulfilled in what they did when they retire. They tend, I see them go on and live pretty vibrantly and abundantly and, and progress and find other things. Those who, again, this is my experience, but I'm going to paint with a broad brush and I think it's relevant. Uh, for for most, those who put the time in and just endured and tolerated something that they were not fulfilled in until they could finally retire, did not have really vibrant retirement periods of their life. A lot of times, I think that's when we see that decline. Now they have no purpose. They didn't have joy. It's hard to revive that after 20, 30, however many years of not having joy. You don't just stop and then boom, find it all of a sudden. And you've been planting that seed of dissatisfaction for so long. I think it's hard to revive. Okay. Again, I'm painting with a broad brush. I don't want to offend there, Tom, but man, the fact that retirement came up and just making it till the end to me, it felt really acute and dangerous in this conversation.
2: You know, the the biblical um, perspective of it, uh, and and I've talked about this before on the show, Rabbi Lappin says Mm
1: -hmm.
2: in Hebrew... Uh, there's no word for retirement because retirement has the connotation of I'm done serving others. It's time for others to serve me. So it's not really a concept, but there is the concept of, of sabbatical of, of serving in other ways. Yeah. And so what I would say is, Hey, you know what? You are getting a promotion. You're going to now serve other people in a new way. And I think People's identities, they get locked up in their job. And so if if your identity is I'm the widget mover and that's what gives me meaning in life, that's who I am, and then you retire, you are no longer widget moving and therefore your uh, identity is diminished and these people go home and die. If your are identity if 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 your job is hey i impact people who i work with who move widgets and it's those relationships that i'm all about well guess what that's transferable now you can go be grandma grandpa you can go down to the community center because you have been in the business of relationships your whole life and you have just moved to a different work field that may not pay. Yeah. And that's how we that's how we serve people. Uh, I was on a an, another podcast yesterday, or I, what's yeah? No, it'd be Friday uh, with Mike Kenny, who's one of our ZLCers, and he, he he gave this quote, and he said, "When the space race was on, and, and uh, President Kennedy, I think he was at the space center." And he's walking through the hallways and there was a janitor and he just came across him and the janitor was mopping the floor. And the president looked at him and said, what are you doing? And he said, sir, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. Yeah, it's an (laughs) awesome story. And uh, I I may have told the story a little off, but that's the point, right? Why are you doing what you're doing? You know, the, the the administrative support person in an elementary school, are they consumed with all the irritated parents of all the stuff that's going on? Or do they look at all those young kids and think, that's the future of our country, right? Which, which, which job do they have? They, you, that's where the mindset and the attitude comes in. You get to pick the job that you're in. You get to pick and choose how I'm going to approach it. Yeah. And if you're in a toxic environment with other people who don't get it, then it's perfectly fine to go pick another place to do the same thing. Because you're really in the people business. You're not in the yeah. widget
0: business. It's it's just got me thinking, Tom, with this that with that aspect of I'm going to endure this you know, toxic is is a very, you know, negative, but this unfulfilling work environment where I spend the majority of my time every day, every week, month, year, and then I'm going to get to the end and it'll be worthwhile. Or I'm going to, then I'm going to come to fruition and do all this great stuff that it'd it, it be, it's daily deposits. We are training our brain. That'd be like me saying, you know what? I'm going to be sedentary for the next 10 years because I don't have time to train. And then I'm going to stop And I'm going to do a marathon the next month. We can't can't do that. I mean, at some point, I'll never do a marathon. If you go too far, you'll never... If I don't build those daily... So if I am building every day, living in unfulfillment, bitterness, resentment, as opposed to the opposite, uh, that's going to create who you are at the end of that, you know, at that retirement age. And uh, man, just... Dangerous. Okay, I want to do justice. Everybody, you just told the story about the, um, uh, told that story there. This one is similar, and I'd never seen it to this detail. So it's the story of the three bricklayers. I didn't know that it was literally, It's apparently it was a, literally a, a, great, a, a real story. After the Great Fire of 19, uh, 1666 at Level London, the world's most famous architect, Christopher Wren, was commissioned to rebuild St. Paul's Cathedral. One day in 1671, Christopher Wren observed three bricklayers on a scaffold, one crouched, one half standing, and one standing tall, working very hard and fast. To the first bricklayer, Christopher Wren asked the question, what are you doing? To which the bricklayer replied, I'm a bricklayer. I'm working hard, laying bricks to feed my family. Honorable. The second bricklayer responded, I'm a builder. I'm building a wall. But the third bricklayer, the most productive of the three and the future leader of the group, when asked the question, what are you doing, replied with a gleam in his eye, I am a cathedral builder. I am building a great cathedral to the almighty. So back to your story of the guy mopping, what, at NASA? And he's helping put a man on the moon. That's attitude adjustment right there. So I think we have to look at can you bring yourself to that point in your workplace of being proud of what you do, of being able to be free to do the work that you know you can do to make the contribution. I like that word, Tom, to make the contribution. I want to be free in my work to fully contribute all that I can. And sometimes there are just work environments where you can't. doesn't mean they're even bad or toxic, but you just may not be able to. Can you be, because I want to be, as we talked mentioned a minute ago, I want to be building that seeds, those seeds of training my brain to be my fullest, my most creative, my my most free uh, every day. Man, it's just such—it's such a dire topic, Tom. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and and we've got so much at stake, and and mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of believers who, like I do, believe in eternity. And and when you start to contemplate eternity, <laughs> tongue in cheek, that's a long time. It's a long time. And and so. Is what we're doing here to prepare ourselves for eternity? And is any, is, are the things that we do here, will there be any significance of that in eternity? Hmm. And of course, I believe yes, right? I believe yes. And so why are we so focused on the comfort and the payback and the results of what we get here? I think when you, when you put it in an internal perspective, that allows you to work with fullness of heart with the people you're with, regardless of what you're doing. I, I don't think there's like a moral, <laughs> there's not more moral or less moral jobs, unless it is an immoral job, right? right? I'm just saying, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you're an assistant to someone, uh, you're a salesperson, you own a business. The moral equivalent is there. They're all, you know, they're all uh, good things to do. I think it's the how we do them, yeah. and how we treat God's children in the process, that sets us up for eternity.
0: Amen. I think there's our anchor right there. there um, powerful stuff. I'm going to be thinking about this even more. It may be worth another show. On, uh, I made some notes here, Tom, brother. Always a gift. Be blessed. I truly hope that from this show, you have more clarity on the challenging areas of your life and where you would be best served to merely address your attitude and where you might need to tangibly alter your circumstances for the better. Coming up in episode 853, I bring you a formula for success. Now, I don't believe that exists at face value, but the definition of formula is this, a list of ingredients for or constituents of something? Well, Stephen Kotler, he's a New York Times bestselling author over and over award-winning journalist, and he's done the research and testifies that anyone can achieve peak performance, and he provides the neuroscience behind why. We talk deeply through the issues of drive and motivation and peak performance, and ultimately, I believe you'll understand this formula and where and how you can most readily improve yourself.